0: And welcome to the DFS Coach Talk Podcast. I am your host, Mike Apatria, joined by my good buddy over there in the uh, 860 in Hartford, santino Uh It's Sunday, May 3rd. We're here to break down some more football for you guys. We're going to be touching on the 49ers today, but it looks like we got two gorgeous days outside in a row, Santino. How are you doing up there? Only only about an hour from me.
1: Doing pretty good. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to get outside today. I was out there yesterday. It was Gorgeous. out I got to clean my car and everything today. I'm probably just going to go for a walk around the neighborhood, go to the park, uh, walk around the park. Hopefully there's not too many people there. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm getting ready to enjoy this beautiful weather that we're getting.
0: Well, I'm going to tell you the same thing uh, that my girlfriend told me. Uh, you might have to shave that mustache before going near a park or a school zone. <laughs> uh, she did not recommend it for me. So I'm going to give you the same recommendation, something I'm looking forward to. I think tomorrow, Tomorrow's the last the last day for this thing. I was letting it grow out for a few weeks and it's looking disgusting, and getting a little uncomfortable. But uh, we got some good football to, to talk about. I was on yesterday. Uh, with Shane and man, a great podcast. We had a good time talking about the Seahawks you're, you're you're undoubtedly favorite team. And I'm saying that with a big smile on my face because you're like <laughs> we start talking off air. I, I know you're a Dolphins fan. Uh, Santino's a diehard Dolphins fan. He's been that way since we were younger. Every single thing in his room is is Ricky Williams or Dolphin or something Dolphins-related. So um, I, I meant it in in a way where I know you love Russell Wilson, uh, not necessarily uh, the whole Seahawks in general. You're not a diehard Seahawks fan. You're not the 12th man. But, um, you know, you, do, you have been a Russell Wilson truther uh, and fan since it is. And we, and we talked a little bit off air. It's just something you have with those undersized quarterbacks who have – pinpoint accuracy and also played <laughs> on a diamond as well at one point too. So I uh, just wanted to clear the air yeah. on that.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you cleared the air because I was going to, and I, I heard it yesterday when I first listened. The first thing you said was I'm a diehard Seahawks fan. I said, how long have you known me? Uh, yeah, I know I love Russell Wilson and I'll, I'll, I'll ride with him to the end, but that, that's pretty much it. And And there was a time that I was really huge on Doug Baldwin and then he abruptly retired, sadly.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was kind of like a little peanut butter and jelly during our fantasy (laughs) leagues is when you had uh, Russ Wilson, we knew Doug Baldwin was following closely behind, uh, you know, some great years with him outside of just a few injuries, injury plagued some years and kind of ended up being the downfall, which tends to be the downfall for most, uh, you know, NFL players careers once the injuries start piling up. Uh, you know, you get you start questioning, and you know how much longer you can do it. But uh, we got some positive stuff to talk about, not not the negatives of Dove Baldwin. So I'm looking forward to this, man. <laughs> We're gonna be breaking down the 49ers, um, obviously one of the league's premier teams. Uh, you know, going to the Super Bowl, losing to the Super Bowl, which was, in my opinion, one of the better Super Bowls that we've watched probably over the past 10 years. It was super exciting. Um, And, you know, while they lost a few pieces, they gained a few pieces. looks like they had a pretty solid draft overall. So a lot to get to. We're going to break down every single position. We're going to talk about their defense a little bit. We're going to talk about their draft class that they just acquired and everything that happened during it, including trades. So we have a lot to get to. We're going to jump right into it. Um, Why don't you lead us off? Why don't you start talking about a little bit of, How this team looked, I guess, overall during the 2019 season and, you know, a few spots of where they finished. How this
1: team looked. uh, Well, the first word that comes to mind is dominant. Uh, They pretty much dominated the league last year. They got to the Super Bowl and then they got dominated for a stretch of about four or five drives where the Chiefs just scored every at will every time. Uh, But besides that, this team was cream of the crop. They went 13 and three. Um, They won the first eight games of the season. They were one of the few teams that remained undefeated for half of the season. Um, They finished eighth in points per game again, or their defense was top 10 in points per game against. Um, They were number two rushing team in in the league behind uh, the Ravens, which I mean, self-explanatory when you have Lamar Jackson getting 1200 plus yards rushing. Uh, They had the second most rush yards, rush uh, rushing attempts, most rushing touchdowns though, their offense, their passing game was pretty pretty good as well. Jimmy G threw for just under four thousand yards. Uh, this team was just loaded, and their biggest weakness on defense is their rushing game, um, rushing defense. But when they were playing ahead for most of the year, as they were, uh, they were very efficient on offense. You don't have to be great against the run if you're if you have the lead all the time because they didn't face that a lot. And their passing game um, defense was top 10 in the league is was just fantastic uh two things that they did lose this year was speaking of both of those they lost their defensive back pass game coordinator joe woods he signed with the browns and they lost their pass rush specialist coach uh, chris kiffin he also signed with the browns so it'll be interesting to see if those dynamics come into play this year with new faces uh on them but besides that they they were pretty much what you see in the record. They were just awesome. They beat people up. Um, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, has put a really awesome foundation together. Kyle Shanahan's been one of the best, brightest offensive minds in the game uh, the last however many years, and I think they're gonna continue with this. They lost a lot of people, as you mentioned. They just traded Matt Breida to my Dolphins for a fifth round pick, um, and they uh, they lost Emmanuel Sanders, who they traded for last year at the deadline. They traded Marquise Goodwin for for moving up in the draft in the sixth round uh they had to trade DeForest Buckner because they weren't they had a contract stalemate with him uh fantastic defensive lineman but they didn't think they could resign him for what they, they or he wanted he wanted uh like Aaron Donald money they weren't prepared to give that to him they didn't have the cap so they had to trade him for a first rounder and with that first rounder after a, a trade back for a pick they wound up picking his replacement and Javon Kinlaw we'll see how he goes um but that was the big storyline there. And the other big storyline, they lost Joe Staley. Hall of Fame offensive lineman. Um, he should be in the Hall of Fame guaranteed. I don't I don't think there's any question he's one of the best out was one of the best out there. But they traded then they traded for Trent Williams in the draft. They gave up a third rounder this year and a fifth rounder next year. Um so he's they they lose a Hall of Famer and then they get one of the best offensive linemen out there. Uh he didn't play last year because The whole situation with the Redskins where he didn't feel comfortable and he didn't think he was healthy enough, but we'll see if he still has what he had before that. And if he does, I mean, that's pretty much an even wash right there. I think Staley is a little better. He's a little more mobile, but Trent Williams is no slouch. Um, Yeah, and those are pretty much the, the big things.
0: Yeah, and I, I love the way that Staley kind of did that. I, I mean, if you're a 49er fan, you have to be happy about that. Is that uh, he knows that they're a win now culture. He just saw what they were able to do. And knowing that he's going to walk away, he gave them ample time, let them know, I mean, pretty much right when the Super Bowl ended, when they got back in the locker room, that he was probably done and, and to look forward to uh, getting him a, a replacement in this draft, some way and somehow. And once they had win, that they could possibly uh, acquire Trent Williams. Then going for De, uh, De, DeForest Anthony's uh, replacement was was the next the first thing you had to do. So um, you, I'm, I'm not going to knock it. Um, I, I like I like the kid that they took. I thought that they didn't really reach on him in any way, shape, or form. He was I think a top 15 uh, selected pick, in, in roughly in, in most experts' consensus going forward. Um, and then you know like you said, it's all going to be about how healthy he is. I don't know if it was necessarily health that was really holding him back. I know he was asking for trades. Throughout the entire season, he was asking for his contract to be renegotiated and restructured. He wanted everything his way, like he was at Burger King and, and the Redskins yeah. weren't willing to give it to him. Uh, and when you know the ball's not in your court, they, their hands were tied. They know that if they went out there and shopped him at that moment where he's asking to be traded so heavily and they didn't try to stand their ground, then they weren't going to get any solid offers. And uh, even looking at what they did get uh, for him, a third and a fifth is it, still peanuts compared to if this guy's got half of what he had for the past like you know 8 years left in the tank.
1: Yeah. And uh the the team they have both Eric Armstead and um DeForest Buckner pretty much going into needing a new contract. Armstead's one of their defensive ends, both on the defensive line, but Armstead didn't want as much money. He wound up signing with them anyway. He didn't want the money that DeForest Buckner wanted. And rightfully so, Buckner's been awesome. But they didn't think that they could pay Buckner and they didn't have the money. Maybe it would have changed if they knew Joe Staley was retiring, but this trade happened uh, mid-March. So if they knew that happened, maybe they had a little money to sign him. But we still don't know that. But they wound up picking Armstead over him because he cost less, and they wound up signing Jimmy Ward as well in the meantime. So it's pretty much a DeForest Buckner for Armstead and and Ward. We'll see how that pays out pans out. But um, yeah, they had to get they needed somebody, and they needed uh, and they knew DeForest Buckner would bring back a first rounder, which he did. I don't think uh, Armstead would have brought that. Maybe a third rounder. So they they thought about it from all angles, and then they had to make that trade.
0: No, and it, it's it's a team that's in a win now culture. They're trying to you know basically keep that same core team that they had. The same kind of. Uh, you know, mentality that we have, we kind of seen the way that Shanahan's has built this offense. And it looks like he's, he's pretty much has his approach and he's sticking to it and he's drafting around uh, a very select few set of players and just using the best skill sets that he has. I mean, this is a team that we'll get to in a couple minutes when it comes to yards after a catch. And they didn't stray away from that in the draft, but we'll jump right into Jimmy G. Um, you know, that was you know, a nice solid overview of what we, what we saw last season and kind of that uh, I, I I'm pretty much online with just. You know, duplicating those numbers. I don't really see them changing too far Uh, going into the 2020 season when we're looking at his team. I I expect them to kind of still have that same rushing mentality, a rush-first team, capitalizing off of play-action passing, and they're going to be very stout defensively. One of the best secondaries in the league. uh, You know, Richard Sherman anchoring that, and then having a young Nick Bosa for the next ten years. uh, It it, it doesn't look like it's going to be a bad thing. So, um, I'm I'm looking at Jimmy G. You know, in his first like you know full full season, we're looking at. Um, where he was actually given like the reins with a decent offense, uh, fully healthy. And he played well. Uh, You know, looking at the way that Shanahan used him, he kind of didn't, you know, knows that Jimmy G is not going to be making big plays. He didn't want to force any throws. He's very accurate. Sixty nine point one percent completion percentage, which was fourth in the NFL. We were talking about Russell Wilson's, uh, you know, yesterday and his being up there as well. Uh, you know, 19th and pass attempts with 476 for 300, 3,978 yards, which is 12th best in the NFL uh, and then 27th in touchdowns, which was six. So, uh, you know, very accurate quarterback. He was very accurate in the red zone. And I talked a little bit about those play action passing and out of that almost 4000 yards almost 1500 of it was off of play action passing on 133 attempts. Uh, So, you know, just going to show that they capitalized off the run. They had one of the best running games and it opens up that play action passing. So a lot of the passes that we were seeing from Jimmy G were not forced. Um, You know, he wasn't the best comeback guy. And we kind of saw that when he's playing from behind. It's difficult for a quarterback like him to kind of keep himself in the game. But, uh, you know, what are you expecting a little bit from Jimmy G coming into this season now? Pretty much the same offense intact other than, uh, you know, minus uh, Sanders as a weapon and then bringing in uh, the rookie. But um, what are you expecting from this season to step forward? Or are you pretty much thinking that we can, you know, look at this kind of this 27 and
1: 12 and just like roll into the 2020 season almost similar? I mean, I like Jimmy G as a as an actual NFL quarterback. He's 21 and five as a starter in his career, which is awesome. Uh, I'm not fully sure how I feel about him from a DFS standpoint and a fantasy standpoint, but I think he's going to improve last year. He was still recovering from that, that knee injury, the torn ACL. Um, he, he started off in camp extremely bad. His preseason was even worse. Um, but then the game started and I remember actually in the preseason, they were thinking, Oh, is he even ready to play? Uh, there was a lot of talk about him maybe having to, uh, sit for a game or two cause he didn't look good, but then he came out and just fired, uh, Thirteen interceptions is the is the one thing from him. He tied for eighth in the league, but everything else he was pretty good at. Um, like you mentioned, his touchdowns, his, his touchdowns, his completion percentage, his QBR, all that's in the top ten. Uh, if you look at his red zone completion percentage, top ten as well, sixty three percent. He had sixteen touchdowns inside the twenty to just two interceptions. Um, even inside the ten yard line, his completion percentage is pretty much the same at 62 and a half. He had 16 touchdowns inside the 10 yard line as well. That's tied for first. So his red zone efficiency and scoring was among the better quarterbacks in the league. Um, And this, like you mentioned, this was his first real full-time job for an entire season coming in, knowing he was going to be that guy. Uh, The team finished second in points per game last year. And a lot of that to do is with the running game, which was awesome. And a lot of it had to do with um, them having a lead and being able to use the play action. Like you mentioned, effectively Um, a lot of it had to do with a pretty solid offensive line, nothing great, but they were pretty solid, but a lot of it had to do with him. Um, He didn't take a ton of sacks. He was mid middle of the pack in sacks. Uh, Sometimes he had errant throws, but most of the time this guy was on the money and uh, they were, he was in Furcom, What's it called? They were tied for first in um, first down percentages that were throws. They were tied for second in 20-plus uh, yard passing. That are, well, I said that wrong, 20-plus yards running. But um, their first down percentage that were throws were easily first at 40.8% of his throws uh, became first downs. Like that, That's efficient and fantastic. I think he's going to get over 4,000 yards next year. It's kind of hard to say, but I, I like their weapons and I like what they're getting back. But in a DFS standpoint, he's a guy that's very hard to predict because they have that great defense. And if they're winning games, they could just easily run out the clock. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, he's, he's, his dad has shown – or him and his dad have shown that they're not afraid to run down people's throats. Uh, but Kyle Shanahan also usually, besides last year, is in the top ten, about eight per eight of the ten um, – eight of his seasons that he's been at least the coordinator or coach, he's been in the top 10 in pass attempts last year. They were 29th and Jimmy G still finished 13th in passing yards. That shows you how efficiently he was in this offense was, but if they come down even a little bit on as how good they were on defense, I think he gets more, more yards. He could probably creep into the 4,000 just missed it. And then you look at, but if you look at his DFS uh, games, he only had four games over 20 fantasy points. So, you want to be careful with that. And three of those four games, he actually had over 30 fantasy points, uh, but he only had seven games with multiple touchdowns. So I want to see how the team plays, because if the defense is even at, as good as they were last year and, and Joey Bosa and company are getting to the quarterback, creating turnovers, and this team can run the ball, I'm going to have to fade Garoppolo, knowing that his upside isn't as Great as some other players, but he's a fairly consistent quarterback um, if they are in a game where you think that they're going to have to keep up the scoring pace.
0: I think that's a great way to put it. It's kind of like what we were talking about almost similar with Russell Wilson, these guys that, uh, you know, make a living off of their accuracy and, you know, fewer attempts and still getting almost similar results uh, and just almost game managing, making the right decisions, not making the wrong decisions are going to be the guys that are generally throwing for four hundred and twenty yards and four touchdowns and having those yeah. games. Um, they do come few and far in between. So I'm kind of with you. Uh, you know, kind of seeing how this defense reacts in the beginning of the season. And, you know, I, I still expect them to be, a, you know, a more of a like a 60-40 uh, run split compared to a lot of the other league who's more of pass heavy at this point in time during these years. So um, they're still going to be a run heavy oriented team. They're still going to be running and playing with the clock uh, more often than not with the lead. So. It's going to limit his attempts, but when it comes to actually, like, you know, stacking a guy like this, and, you know, anytime we look at a quarterback, we want to try to get, you know, two two of his receiving options with him because if we're playing this quarterback in DFS, we're saying that he's going to have a 350-yard game with multiple touchdowns because that's, that's why we're paying for him. That's why we yeah. want him um i like to do it with a guy like garoppolo just knowing that i don't need to pinpoint two receivers Um, i can get a guy like kittle and get a massive game out of kittle and it could be a a five for 120 and a touchdown game for debo as well so in in that way jimmy g he's not going to go out there maybe gunslinging it might be one of those 300 yard two touchdown maybe three touchdown games and if you have the two options that are seeing the majority of it you'll be in good shape but that might be few and far in between and you know targeting the right matchups is what we're going to have to do when we're when we're trying to you know Capitalize on that. Um, you touched yeah. on his red zone. Absolutely fantastic. I'm glad you brought that up. He was just dominant in the red zone, only threw three interceptions while he was in there. Um, and again, it just goes to show when any pass that's inside 20 yards from him, that's his specialty. He's not a deep ball guy. Um, he relies on his his receivers to make plays once he puts the ball in their hands. And he puts it into tight windows where other, you know, other defenders can't get to. So um, I don't expect that to change anytime soon. That's their philosophy. And he's got a big red zone target in Kittle and just drafted another big red zone target who might get some decent action
1: this season as well. Um,
0: anything speaking else?
1: That- of, yeah, oh. speaking of the red zone, um, an interesting fact or stat is he threw 16 touchdowns inside the red zone. But all 16 of those came inside the 10-yard line, which shows that he was even better when they got closer and, and the gaps for your route running and the, and the gaps between offense and defense and everything clamps up even more. He got 16 of those. That'll be an interesting to see if he can repeat that because that was tied for first in the league inside the 10. Um, and if, if that scales back a little bit, he might have a drop in touchdowns. But I see overall him pretty much being the same type of player. And it's funny, like, we we think he's a really good real-life quarterback. Um, and then you have people like Jameis Winston, who is not a really good life real-life quarterback, but he threw for 30 touchdowns last year, over 30 touchdowns last year. Yeah, that came with 30 interceptions, but when you're just gunning the ball and throwing the ball and throwing the ball, the fantasy points will come. So this team is built on, on their defense run game and him managing that to a very good extent. And if that happens again like they did – it was last year, he's harder to trust because of having more games with one or zero passing touchdowns than he had multiple touchdowns. But um, if they take a little step back and we'll see if if that happens early in the season, then I think for him, a guy who was probably was roughly $6,000 um, all season last year in draft Kings, that's, a, that's not a bad play. But we have to see if that defense takes a step back. See so if it's the same thing. I mean, he doesn't need to be go out there and try and win games for you. He just makes the plays that are he's been making efficiently, effectively, and get you in position to win the game.
0: Yep, absolutely. And uh, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. And I think another good point that we can bring up when we're just talking about how – you know, he maybe only can get a little bit better we don't see him getting any worse on top of knocking the rust off of that, uh, you know, that season off and, you know, basically missing almost the entire preseason mm-hmm. as well. Um, he didn't have much chemistry built throughout the beginning of the season with any of these receivers. So, uh, you know, if we look at the guys that finished the season with the most snaps, you know, Debo Samuel, rookie. in the last three weeks of the season, a rookie last three weeks of the season, you signed, you started playing 89%, 82%, 78. They brought in Sanders who was playing, uh, almost every snap, 95, 98, 92%. Kendrick Bourne started playing, you know, 53, 53, 20%. And then at the beginning of the first three weeks, uh, obviously they didn't even have Sanders. Uh, Dante Pettis was actually getting snaps, playing 49, 42, 63, 72, 92 in weeks two through five. Uh, Marquise Goodwin was playing 74 percent of the snaps, 51 and 67 percent of the snaps weeks one through three. These are guys that he was playing with at the beginning of the season that he wasn't playing with at the end of the season. So it was almost like getting a whole new receiving core in there halfway through and then having to rebuild chemistry with new guys. So uh, he's got a little bit more experience with guys like Debo um, and with guys like Kittle. Kendrick Bourne, we'll see a couple snaps and then the rookie coming in there as well. And you have another guy that you're itching to talk about, which we'll get to shortly. Uh, but I'm, I'm only seeing more chemistry being built, you know, obviously during the offseason, these guys not having time to do as many regiments where they might meet up and, you know, get a couple reps in with each other and things like that. But um, I, I think that's a positive in, in, in my book when I'm looking at this yeah. kind of scenario.
1: But, yeah, you you hit the – I'm going to steal your phrase. You hit it right on the head there. Everybody you named um, – will. Going back, Jimmy Garoppolo came to this team midway through the 2017 campaign and then didn't even start initially, but then work, worked his way in. And then when he found his way in a couple weeks later, never let it go. But you think of everybody that you mentioned besides Marquise Goodwin, he never, and, and uh, George Kittle, he didn't really have an off season to work with them. Uh, that year, that 2018 year, he got to work with those two um, and Kendrick Bourne, I guess you could say. Uh, but Then they drafted Dante Pettis. He only had a a little bit of the summer to work with him. But then he got hurt really early, the first couple games into 2018. So he didn't have that time to work with any of these guys. And then they got Debo Samuel. They got uh, Pettis came out on his his rookie year. George Kittle burst onto the scene without Garoppolo and so on. But he didn't have that time to work with them that offseason because he was recovering from the torn ACL. And then Debo Samuel, rookie, he didn't really get to work with him. All these people he didn't get to get um, familiar with too much until like while the season was going on. So this year, as you mentioned, they're going to have the time at, well, depending on what's going on in the world, but uh, they might have the time to work on all their routes, work on their timing, work on everything. And I think we're going to see a even better Jimmy Garoppolo um, for, for next year.
0: Yeah, I can see those interceptions getting cut back. Maybe not as many, you know, maybe it might even be less touchdowns with the way that they want to use them in this offense. But I definitely see less interceptions. Um, You know, there's a reason why they kind of wanted to revamp this receiving core as well. They weren't happy with a lot of it. Uh, Goodwin had a lot of drop passes. Pettis. looked like the guy, you know, struggled with route running. At one point, I think at this time last season, we were talking about, and many experts were talking about him being a sleeper guy, a guy that you want late in your drafts. He's going to blow up. He's flying under the radar. Well, now he's he's basically on the verge of being cut from the team. So, um, you know, these were, like I said, early on in the season, this guy at one point was playing half, if not more than half, the snaps. And then at the end of the season, didn't sniff field. Uh, You know, Marquise Goodwin hurt, didn't sniff field. So. I'm Kendrick Bourne has of... a lot of
1: drops as well. Debo mm-hmm. Samuel started out slow; he wasn't fully thrust into the limelight early in the year. Um, so yeah, it's besides um, besides Kittle, everybody was a little different throughout the year for uh, as as far as reliable targets for Jimmy G.
0: Yeah, and even and even Kittle himself, I believe, missed uh, you know missed two games last season, so yeah. didn't even get a full season out of him. Um, 14 games, and you you know pretty much on pace, same numbers that he had in the season prior through 16, uh, if he kept playing. But uh, I think I think that's pretty much we're, we're, where we're at with Jimmy G. I think we pretty much set our sentiments on it. Um, yep. You know, it's it's basically he's a product of his environment and one of those, and I, I'm expecting those interception numbers to come down. So while he's not a quarterback that might necessarily win you too many weeks in DFS. Um, you know, maybe in a cash game option where you're not looking for someone to shoot yourself in the foot either, he makes more sense in that kind of scenario. But uh, we'll move into the rushing game, <clears throat> excuse me, because I think this is one section of this that we're both pretty excited about. Uh, you know, this team really relied on this rushing t- rushing game. We touched on the numbers already: first into rushing touchdowns, second in uh, overall attention um, yards, and they had three guys basically doing it for him, splitting it right down the middle. Uh, when it came to Mozart uh Tevin Coleman and then Brita who shipped over to Miami. So why don't you just run down this a little bit? Um, you know, I'll let I'll let you touch on Mozart. I know you're pretty pumped up about him. I know that you like him a
1: lot and I I think for good reasons. Uh yeah, so Mostar, former Dolphin, (laughs) didn't really play. He 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 went undrafted in in 2015. Um he converted to a running back his senior year. And he had 5.7 yards per carries on 93 attempts that year. Before that, he was a wide receiver. And throughout the whole time, though, even in the in the NFL, he's been a integral special teams guy, whether it's returning kicks, whether it's uh, blocking for returns, punt returns, kick returns, being a gunner, um, or or on the kick-off team and punt-off team. Uh, he's integral part on uh, the special teams, kind of like Delaney Walker was back in the day for – the this this exact team before he blew up onto the scene. Uh, but this guy, he bounced around through four teams before landing with San Fran in 2016 after being undrafted free agent. Um, and then he was forced into the starting role in 18. He only had less than 10 carries total uh, before he was forced into the starting role with Matt Breida going down with ankle injuries. It kept coming up um, last year. They just kept coming, and it was it was more it was kind of like the season story last year with this Niners or 2018 because now. The last year was this past season, Um, but he he got a bunch of injuries. And then that that day that he got into the starting lineup or he got the call to be uh, 1B to Matt Breida's 1A because he was still playing through those ankle injuries, but it was certain he broke his arm against uh, the Raiders in 2018. Um, He had 12 carries that time or in week six, he had 12 carries and Matt Breida had 14. They were about to be. One two one A one B or even Breida going down a little bit because he was hurt, but um, that's what happened. He broke his he broke his arm and didn't get the chance to show off after a pretty good game. Uh, but he was easily the most productive back on a per carry basis on this team in 2018. Um, and then in 2019, it's the same story. Easily the most productive back on this team on a per carry basis and one of the most productive backs on a in the nfl on a per carry basis he averaged uh 5.6 yards per carry on the season his career yards per carry is six Uh, he didn't have a lot of carries before last year but that's no joke um and he scored in eight of the last nine games he played in and one of those games was against green bay where he just ate the ate the packers (laughs) up in the the conference final or championship just ate them up so this guy not only um He's not even getting a lot of goal line carries because Jeff Wilson Jr. is there, and he's a, just a chubby big back who plods his way into the end zone. This guy is getting his on home run hits. Um, he's again six yards per carry for his career, and he scores touchdowns in, in long home runs. I'm not sure how Kyle Shanahan's going to play this because um, throughout his, his throughout his teams, he does have a feature back, but he also has a lot of seasons where he mixes and matches depending on who's producing. But if Raheem Mostar even comes close to producing this yards per carry, say five, I'm not even he, – he averaged 5.6 last year and six for his career. We'll say if he can get close to five, I think he runs away with his job. And uh, if Kyle Shanahan turns him loose and gives him 200-plus carries, uh, this is a guy that is probably coming into the season very low-priced or fairly priced at best. And you have to pounce on him because this guy can just run. Uh, he, he's fantastic, and I think he fits in the Kyle Shanahan mold of uh, producing random good running backs out of nowhere, just like his dad did. Uh, you look at you look at the history of the Shan Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan's offensive coordinators. He had 2008 was his first year. You know, if we remember Steve Slayton, he had 270 carries and uh, almost 1,200 yards, 1,300 yards. And that's a name that probably most people don't remember anymore. Uh, He had the last good season of Amon Green that same year who had over four yards of carry. Uh, In 2019, it was the burst onto Arian Foster, the first time we heard about Arian Foster year. And look what happened to that guy a little after. 2010, Ryan Terrain was a top 14 fantasy back out of nowhere. The next year, Roy Heeloo, he made another unknown guy who these guys are – except for Foster, these guys were barely in the league for a few years – um, after that, Alfred Morris burst onto the scene with almost 1,700 rushing yards, and then so on and so forth. Uh, Devontae Freeman had his best year ever in with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, last year, we saw anybody who is in this lineup and getting carries gets a lot of points. It's it's a very fantasy-friendly rushing game, and this guy has shown throughout his career that he likes this system. And With no more Breda, and now all you have is Tevin Coleman, and maybe Jeff Wilson Jr. gets some... Uh, goal line backs. Uh, There's Drock McKinnon. We don't know what Drock McKinnon even has in the tank anymore after the last grueling two years. He might be ticketed for a third down roll because most starts not really a third down receiver. But um, you also are running back running behind the best. Yes, I will say the best fullback in the league in Kyle Jusek. So, I mean, he has a lot going for him for me and I don't think he's going to be priced close to an Ezekiel Elliott type.
0: No, not even. And um, Those were a bunch of fantastic points, especially the last one you made about Kyle Juszczyk. I think he has one of my, like, he's got to be the most favorite, my favorite name to actually <laughs> say. Like, if you just scream it as though, like, you're a, a, a street fighter, uh, you know, I won't do that now. I'll let people use their imaginations and try it uh, while you're listening. <laughs> it's pretty fun. You'll enjoy it. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with you as far as Mozart. Um, I, I think, you know, we were talking about him. He's going to be must-start Mozart. Uh, we <laughs> For me, Uh, and I'm going to be looking more on FanDuel uh, simply because of PPR. Uh, You know, it's a big bonus on DraftKings getting that extra point per reception and targeting some of those running backs who, if they catch even four or five passes, you're looking at an extra five or six points. Um, Most are, I don't expect them to see if many or if, at all any third down opportunities um just knowing that you know tevin coleman was actually pretty good on third down they still have wilson as you said uh, mckinnon if he has anything left in the take he looks like it's going to be more situational and he's an explosive smaller back so third down back kind of always been his four when he was playing over there in minnesota and then you know came up with that big deal that he had to restructure this offseason so um, I'm I'm kind of you know looking at him more on that FanDuel approach but you know 137 attempts for 722 yards eight touchdowns that is if you extrapolate that just double it let's say he ends up getting you know I, I wouldn't expect 274 rushing attempts I think that's pretty much up there. Um, but, you know, with Brita out of the picture, I think 220, 230 is, is a realistic possibility. Um, and at that point, you're talking about 12, 1300 yards almost. Uh, I wouldn't say 16 touchdowns, but if we can get 10 to 12, um, that's a fantastic season. All of a sudden, we're talking about a guy that's going to be severely underpriced in the beginning of the year. So I'm all over him. Um, you know, it, it's crazy when you think about it, because out of the 722 yards that he has, or had last season 297 of them came after contact so the, yes. you know he, he's, a, he's a bruiser uh he's a downhill runner and he's not even the biggest guy but he's a he's a straight downhill runner uh 12 broken tackles and 137 attempts if we look at guys like uh Ezekiel Elliott and Joe Mixon two top backs um, I think Zeke had a little bit of, like right around 300 carries. He had about 24, so double. Um, and then when we look at Mixon, he had about 278 carries, and he had about 24 broken tackles as well. So it, it, it just goes to show you that Mozart is right up there as a quality back with those guys when it comes to being a little bit more elusive but still being powerful at the line of scrimmage. Um, so I, I, I think sky's the limit for this kid. I don't think Tevin Coleman is just going to go away. I don't think it's no. going to be directly his job. I'm looking at, you know, maybe something like a 60-40 split, leaning Mozart, and then the situational stuff going to Wilson. Coleman will probably play a little on third down, and then McKinnon as well. But, you know, all it takes is, and we've seen it happen plenty of times already, a Tevin Coleman injury or something like that, all of a sudden starts getting 70% of the workload and just becomes an absolute monster, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think Coleman's going to play the 1B to Modestar's 1A, <laughs> and he's no slouch. For his career, he's a 4.3 yards per carry guy uh, he's a nice pass catcher i think if mckinnon can't prove his health i think tevin coleman's ticketed easily for that third down roll i see him getting um maybe yeah 40 probably 40 percent of the carries he's a pretty solid back he's had success in the system last year he was pretty good um and in when they were in uh, atlanta he was pretty good for shanahan so he's not a guy who's just going to be off the, the grid and that's the only thing i worry about with most art because he might not get that um that full workload that you want But again, in in this day and age, not everybody does it. There's only a handful of guys who get that feature back workload. Uh, So I think when you put that into perspective, we have to kind of say, I think the new feature back should be like 75% of the carries means you're a feature back now because nobody wants to, uh, unless you have a, um, we mentioned Ezekiel Elliott or Barkley or someone of that nature, You're not, and you, or you don't have somebody like a Tevin Coleman behind you, it's very hard to just push everybody else out of the the offense. But uh, I did have two things that I wanted to say. One, did you say four toy when (laughs) before? I think I did. I don't know what that I think you did. I was, I I did. (laughs) I didn't know if you meant to say forte, but I was like, oh, if that's a new I think twist I said on the word, French I kind of like it." I wasn't right. gonna lie. I think um, I, I said it with the,
0: the same the same sentiment, but with a French accent, maybe. Something yeah.
1: Sometimes I liked know, it. I I, I got to try. All right, I like it. And then I did have a couple stats on Moster that I wanted to play with. Uh, so in 2019, last year, there were if you had any anybody with 70 plus carries, I want to say 70 is kind of a, a not a high number, but it's not too of a low number. But I want to say 70 plus carries because most art was in that range. Um, how many people? Who do you think led the league in yards per carry? I should say. Okay, uh, if they had at least 70. 70 said, carries. Which 70 guy led per- the league? It's, well, I
0: was just talking about another guy that was right up there yesterday. I know that, uh, Penny was pretty high on that
1: list as well.
0: Uh, Um, he didn't have, he
1: was, I think he was just at 61, 60. He would have been the first, but I lowered it, but I did it a little lower. Actually, no, he would have been up there, but not first. Okay. Um, that's
0: tough. I, 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 I have to assume mozart has got to be a top three, if not number one. Just knowing that, uh, even in playoffs, I think he was getting six point three. So is this just regular season, or is this including playoffs as uh, well? regular season. Okay, I'm gonna say he's third. That there was just a couple guys that might. Yeah, It's 70
1: plus. Better. That's that's pretty close because he is third. Um, and it was a trick question because Lamar Jackson was number one. <laughs> okay. Uh, and number <laughs> two was better. Kyler Murray. So it was very trick question. Okay. If we're going running backs with over 70 carries. Raheem Mostar had the most yards per carry on the league. Um, I just wanted to emphasize that the Lamar Jackson, a season that might not happen ever again, or if if it does, probably going to be him. And Kyle Murray, who's an, a quarterback, doesn't play the position, uh, were the two leaders for 70-plus carries and yards per carry. And then the actual running back was Raheem Mostar. Rashad Penny had, I think, 5.7 or 5.8, so he would have jumped up. He would have been the only one over Mostar, but he didn't have 70 carries. Matt Breida wasn't too far behind either. Uh, he had 5.1, I believe, which is no slouch either. But he's now gone. That gives most our even more potential. But last year he had the highest yards per carry among backs with 70-plus carries. And then if we're doing 2018, he only had uh, 38 total carries. So I'll, I'll lower the bar on this one just to see how good show how good he is in a yards per carry attempt. Um, any running back with at least 20 carries, or any player with a Running back with at least 20 carries, he was second in yards per carry behind Brian Hill, who had exactly 20. uh, At 7.9 yards per carry, Mostart was 7.7 in 2018. This guy is – I know that's a small sample size, both of these, uh, but he produces when the ball is in his hands. And if you're trying to find an under-the-radar guy who possibly could take a feature-ish role – uh, th- this is the guys that you want to target people who are super productive, people who are just bowl over people. Like you mentioned, he's hard to tackle. He's hard to bring down. Um, and you're not going to pay that premium price that you would on a Saquon Barkley, who is a top five back in this league. And you know that you're getting that and you're paying for that. So these are the guys that you want to target. And, uh, especially before his price tag bumps up, if he's getting that workload, got to target him early and often. Mm-hmm. The only negative and downside I think to him is
0: that how good he was in playoffs that everybody saw it. Yeah. Um, and then you <laughs> see you see a guy like Breida get traded. The first thing you think is, oh, my God, we got to get to this guy. Uh, so, you know, I, I do expect uh, a monster season out of out of Mozart. start. Um, you know, Coleman, obviously he's going to he's going to impact them. I'm not really worried about McKinnon. I'm not really, really, uh, really worried about uh, Wilson. I mean, Um, Just kind of looking actually down the stretch of the when most are actually started to see significant carries. Week 13, he saw 74 percent. Week 14, it was 60. Week 15, it was 53. And and then it hovered around that halfway 53, 54 mark um, for the rest of the season uh in comparison coleman during that time when you know saw 18 16 30 42 so he was seeing a, a significant uh less amount of carries and in, in that time breeda really nicked up we can't even really i guess consider it but yeah. it, this is the guy that we're, we're talking about he's off the team completely now we're seeing about 18 19 percent uh towards that run where most was seeing a bunch of the carries wilson obviously wasn't even playing during that time so i, I i'm saying uh you know if it's 50 percent we'll say let's say he gets 50 percent of the carries i think that's very very generous and um it's also being very conservative as well he could easily see more in a in a rushing offense with 500 attempts 498 attempts last season you know we're looking at about 250 carries uh you know extrapolate his stats and his numbers and what he's been doing on a night in and night out basis uh we're looking at a stud so i'm I'm with you santino
1: the one one thing about running backs and it actually benefits for most are is This guy didn't have – in college, he didn't have many carries. Uh, So far in his NFL career, he didn't have many carries or touches. In most sports, when you see a guy or most positions, when you see a guy who hasn't really done it much or doesn't have the experience, it hurts you. But as a running back, we know that age 30 is pretty much the death toll. Some people go past it, like Adrian Peterson, etc. Um, but age 30 is where it goes, where it hurts you, and it's because of the pounding that you take in college, the pounding that you take in the NFL on a daily or gamely basis. Um, but this guy doesn't have that history, so he's not as beat up as other people would be who have been in the league for four years now. So that's one thing that Leans me toward liking him. He's a, he's a virtual unknown, but you did met, he, he did have that green Bay game in the playoffs, so he shouldn't be unknown anymore, but he doesn't have that history of getting beat up. So, uh, it's another factor that's working in his favor
0: absolutely and um i think i think we've we've, we've beat the the running back horse to death I, yeah. I mean but it's just going to show that this is a run first team we're super excited about a couple of these guys and there's worth putting some emphasis i mean we'll get to tight end later and when we talk about kittle none of that stuff's going to come as a surprise so we probably won't spend as much time on a
1: guy that's already elite at his position that everybody yeah. knows about i think we uh, could just say Kittle's a stud top three tight end, and he's the best blocker at tight end in the league. And if you don't know that, you haven't been watching.
0: Yeah. So we're going to, we're just going to jump, or we'll slide right into wide receiver now. Uh, it's Sunday, it's not Friday, but there's one guy that we're both really excited to talk about, and his name's Debo, uh, possibly the biggest draft winner of on any team uh, in the NFL. When we look at you know how they kind of maneuvered, uh, really stepping into a big role this season, really kind of picked up steam towards the end of the season. You touched on it a little earlier, didn't really get a shake, a fair shake at the beginning of the season with all those other names there. Being a rookie coming into camp, kind of had to earn his way on there. Uh, you know, played about forty to sixty percent of the snaps up until about week eight and then you started seeing the field and then after that it was just Debo show started playing at least seventy nine percent of the snaps until the, the season good name, ended. Debo show. Yeah. <laughs> Friday. So uh you know, Manuel Sanders gone. Uh Marquise Goodman, gone. Uh, They drafted a young rookie, but obviously we've kind of seen how rookies, um, you know, generally have to earn their earn their earn their targets, earn their snaps a little bit more. So I wouldn't expect him to come out here playing 80 to 90 percent of snaps right away. So uh, I'll just glance over his numbers real quick. I'll pass it over to you. Uh, 81 targets, 57 receptions, 802 yards and three touchdowns during the regular season. Um, And then 18 targets, 10 receptions, 127 in playoffs, 70.4 percent catch percentage. So fair catch percentage, not a big drops guy, could be a little bit better, but we'll, we'll take 70 percent uh, any day of the week. That's pretty solid. And then he played, uh, like I said, he played 66 percent or less of snaps five times during the season. Also missed one game. So clearly um, on the numbers, there's a lot of room for improvement. And then I think one of the biggest assets we'll talk about Kittle with this as well. Uh, is that he was 13th in the the NFL in Yak, um, despite playing limited snaps, like I just said. So and I'm talking about all NFL players, not just receivers. He was 13th. And when we break it down amongst receivers, he was fifth. So I think that's an unreal stat. And, you know, like I said, we'll talk about Kittle. We talked about Shanahan's kind of method to his madness when he's drafting and putting these receivers in place for Garoppolo. Yak being a major, major part of it um and Debo is going to be one of the best I think in the NFL when it comes to that so I'm going to pass it on to you I just wanted to throw out some fun Debo stats I thought the yards after catch is something that's very important when we're looking at this team and him but uh what are your expectations for Debo now in his second season playing probably I would say at least
1: 90% of the snaps week in and week out yeah I think uh he's in for a big year you mentioned the the yak uh, stats right there that's huge for a first for a guy who went in the second round last year he, he missed a lot of his college career I know in 2015 16 17 he was dealing with a hamstring strain that bothered him that he hurt in 2015 and that was bothering him for the couple of years uh, so he missed a lot of games and then in that 17 season he fractured his leg but uh, his senior year he was mostly healthy for the first time in his college career and he looked great. And just like he looked this, uh, this past season, he's he's an explosive guy with the ball in his hands and space. Um, he has, he he's super quick and his routes are pretty crisp. Uh, but when you get him in space and Kyle Shanahan knows how to get top wide receivers in space, he's something to, to fear. And if you go down the history again with Kyle Shanahan, I mentioned it with his running backs, um, He's had – he's always pretty much when he had a number one receiver, he peppers those guys. Andre Johnson. Um, Andre Johnson got huge numbers every time when um, Shanahan was there. Then he took Santana Moss to a level that Santana Moss didn't even know he had. Um, He took uh, Jabbar Gaffney to a level that he didn't know he had. Andre Hawkins. Look at these these names. Um, They're just eh names. And then Julio Jones – obviously, but the guy's okay. I know he had, he had him and Andre Johnson were the big names, but they had some of their best seasons, if not their best seasons with yeah. Shanahan there. Um, and then these little guys who weren't really good had huge seasons. I see Debo Samuel, the number one option on this team, getting the same treatment this year. Now that he, they, they got rid of Samuel, Sam, uh, Sanders. I was trying to say, I was saying his first name and last name, Samuels, Peter <laughs> but, Piper, <laughs> yeah, <Pick> but the- <laughs> they, they got rid of him. Uh, they don't. They didn't really bring anybody else in, but they did bring in Ayukin. I'm gonna. I like saying <laughs> that name. Uh, with their first round pick to compliment him, another guy who Yakking. Yeah, this team is going to be the Yak team. Um, but he underwent core surgery at the end of this last past season, and uh, we don't know if he, he should be fully healthy. But that's gonna be uh, a little different with everything that's going on. Another guy who's lethal in space, but I think Debo is. I mean. He's going to put up some numbers this year, and it's going to be hard to not get him when he's so hot. But I, I, again, kind of like most are, I think he's going to be fairly priced in the beginning of the season. And if he starts showing uh, what he can be, he's going to go up there. But I think you have to target him very early because of the upside and in, in what he's going to get in this offense. He's going to get the targets. I see at least um, 120 targets from him. Yeah.
0: That's exactly what I had pegged for him 120 targets I don't expect him to be a touchdown machine just because that's not uh you know the way that this team kind of operates I mean if you look at if he has a touchdown it's gonna be a yak touchdown it's gonna be a big play touchdown uh he had three last season but I could see you know seven or eight touchdowns 1100 yards 1200 yards uh if he's getting those targets and and that's all probably in the realm of possibility being their number one target I mean yes Kittle's probably still going to be their number one focus and their primary focus of this offense but having a compliment guy like Debo who can hold his own if Kittle wasn't there he'd still be probably a number one type option uh I I'm, I think sky's the limits for this kid I don't expect anybody just to you know even come close to the, the amount of targets compared to receivers that he should that he should receive yeah. um you talked about uh I don't want to butcher it, uh you can but uh, uh you know Brandon <laughs> get, get, get out of uh of Arizona state. I think he's got a lot of potential. He's, he's a yak machine. And when you, they traded up for this kid, um, you know, traded up six spots for him. They, they really liked him when they talked to him. Um, I think another part of the reason is they didn't want to see the Packers get him. And they knew that the Packers were pretty much in market for a, a receiver. So they, they made it, they went up, they got their guy, uh, you know, he averaged 18.3 yards per catch while he was at Arizona State last season. Uh, if that doesn't just speak yak, that's, that's just got yeah. yak all written all over it because he only had four or five speed. It's not like he's an absolute burner down the sideline, not a slow guy either. So he, he's a complete player. He returned punts and kicks in college. I think uh, we'll probably see a little bit of that uh, going into
1: this he was, season He was as well. probably one of the handful of top returners in the country too. Yeah. And when you're a yak guy like that and explosive – it makes sense. And this that yeah, was his, yeah. his senior year is pretty much his first year um, or, well, second year in college football because he was a JUCO guy before that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this guy didn't disappoint. This, those it's... two together are going to be a good c- combination.
0: Absolutely. And I think he's prepared for the NFL. I mean, when we look at his head coach at Arizona State was Herm Edwards. So, uh, you know, he's 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 used to playing in like that kind of NFL type offense already. Uh, he's got experience and it should be like a seamless transition um, kind of coming over there and now Shanahan's offense. So uh, I, I think this kid's got some potential. I'm not going to go out there and be like, you know, got to play him every week. He's going to be a stud, anything like that. But I think he's going to be a good fit for this team, uh, but it's still going to be the Debo show. I, I, I won't go out of my way to play him uh, too often unless I'm looking um, for just some salary savings in the right matchup, but uh, definitely a name to keep an eye on maybe for more like year long leagues. If you know something happens, any injuries happen, he can really step up and be a possession type receiver.
1: Yeah. And uh, a guy who can eat after the catch and break tackles like that. Uh, they are good for if you need a long shot and you don't, and your your money's a little tight. They're good to take chances on, and a lot better than possession receivers, especially if you're not playing PPR because they have that ability to just, even if they get two targets, they have the ability to break one and get a touchdown and just save your your DFS day and and make you make you some money. So those are the guys that, um, they're not always going to hit, but if you can hit them when you play them, they're going to be huge for you.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I know there's one other receiver you are dying to talk about. We're not going to spend too much time on Kedrick Bourne. Um, I don't expect him to be a, a huge part of this offense other than, um, you know, a, a situational receiver, a guy just to kind of get Debo and, uh, Ayuken and your boy, uh, Breath of fresh air. He did struggle with drops. He's not, you know, anything crazy athletic or anything that kind of pops off the page as far as his metrics. So, um, I think I think we'll just leave him as, uh, you know, basically a shot in the dark kind of DFS GPP play, low owned guy. But uh, not much to be there. But yeah, why don't you bring us into it, Santino?
1: Um, yeah, I'll, I'll name the first guys. I'll save this guy for last. There is a few guys. I mean, you mentioned Dante Pettis. He had a really good rookie year. Uh, 17.3 yards per catch, and last year he was flat-out trash. Um, sorry if, if any Dante Pettis fans are listening, but he was very bad. Um, you, you mentioned he might not even make the team, so that's something we'll have to keep an eye on, and that will just only boost everybody else's uh, target share and um, playing – can't time. run a route
0: to save his life right now. Yeah. That
1: was that was the issue with him. It's
0: it's not necessarily—I mean, his hands weren't the best in practice either. There's a lot of things that were just like, this doesn't look like the guy that we signed up for. Um, But he could not remember playbook. He could
1: not run routes. It was right. He was struggling hard. Yeah. And then you got Trent Taylor, who missed all of last year because uh, he was injured in 2018 and he just missed. He was a pretty good possession guy. I don't see anything crazy from him. But if he comes back, he could slot into a, a number three a slot wide receiver. Again, somebody I'm not going to target. Richie James is a, just a deep reserve at this point. Uh, their other guy, Juwan Jennings, that they drafted this year, a uh, big guy, 6'3", 208. think more of a red zone target than an actual, um, like every other else target. But uh, the last guy that I want to mention, and I am very high on him, uh, he's definitely going to be extremely cheap, especially in the beginning of the year, maybe throughout the year. But he's a guy that's going unnoticed right now, and that is Jalen Hurd. Uh, Jalen Hurd, you might have remembered, it was a running back in, at Tennessee a couple of years ago, one of the best in the nation. And then in 2000, or we'll go back. He freshman year is really good. Sophomore year. He had over 1200 yards rushing junior year. Tennessee was bad. Uh, they, they lost three, four straight games. They were very bad. He wasn't having a great year. And then he, I remember in the middle of a meeting, a team meeting after a loss, he just grabbed his stuff and left. Uh, it sounded terrible, but he did it, and then later on, he brought in about 10 to 12 of his closest friends on the team, closest players, uh, and I think the coach as well, and said, listen, I, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to play. I'm sorry to do this, but good luck on the rest of the season, uh, but I can't do this. And not only did he leave the team, which looks terrible, but he didn't want to play running back anymore. He said, I, I can't play running back anymore. If I want to be in this in this league, if I want to make it to the NFL – I, I got to play something else. I want to play wide receiver. So this dude left his team in the middle of a college season, uh, a bad season, and he left his position. And then his senior year, he transferred to Baylor. Um, and then he just he was pretty awesome in 2018 as a senior. He had 69 catches and 946 yards in his first exposure as a wide receiver so this dude was not only one of the best running backs in the nation at one point but now he's a really good wide receiver Uh, he was their third round pick last year in in uh, 2018 uh, but he missed all of the uh, in 2019 but he missed all of the season because he or he had a stress fracture in his back uh, during training camp he was one of the better players in the preseason he had three catches in an for two touchdowns already. Um, and he was looking really awesome. Uh, the, the team loved him. People liked him and they were going to give him reps at running back and wide receiver. Um, but that, that whole injury messed him up. He's a guy that um, I think is going to be another yak guy. I think he's going to get touches all over the field. I think he's going to get running back touches. I think he's going to line up at running back. Kind of like in the Christian McCaffrey role where he's going to run routes from the running back. He's going to be in the slot. He's going to be on the outside. I think Kyle Shanahan knows what he's doing with with players like this and kind of gadget players or players that can do multiple positions. He's going to give them as many touches as he can. And when this guy gets in space, he's not only hard to tackle – because he is built like a running back. He's 250 pounds at 6'4, but he can out jump people in the red zone. He's going to be a huge target. again, 6'4, 250. That's a good that's, that's big, a guy you boy. want to, as a jump ball specialist. And uh, he was hard to bring down as a running back for linebackers. If if a little cornerback at 198 tries to go one on one in the open field with him, um, I just have to say good luck because this guy is a truck. And He's not only a truck, he's super fast, and he's a guy that I think is going to get 80-plus um, targets and a lot of gadget plays, 20-plus gadget plays where he has the ability to break out and get that long run, kind of like Ayuk and Samuel. These guys can feast after when the with the ball in their hands in open space. Absolutely, and I knew.
0: Um, I know we talked a little bit on air, and honestly, I I'll be very transparent. Not a guy that was even on my radar, but um, I'm glad you brought him up just simply because he he's a talent. He we didn't get to see anything from him. He's going to fly under a lot of people's radars, but it's a good thing that we have Santino over here at DFS Coach Talk to remind us because uh, definitely a guy that I'm going to keep on my radar. You already yelled at me,
1: told me I could not draft him because uh, <laughs> you were going to mention him. So, uh, we'll see. And we'll see. I I will say the respected Peter King. Um he saw this guy in, in camp last year and before he got hurt, he predicted that he would win the offensive rookie of the year because he was just that good in the in the few camp practices that he saw. Uh mm-hmm. that's a guy that I fully respect on on anything football. And this is a guy but before I even heard of that, I thought I was I was very high on, but that just makes me even more I want some shares of this guy. Uh, especially in DFS, when, like I mentioned, if you're if you're paying up for the big boys and you have some extra money left over to play with, and you see even in a game that's a blowout, because in and sometimes in blowout games they do give those gadget plays. Kyle Shanahan wants to just uh, test out some plays to see if they'll work down the line. Uh, he's a guy that will be tested out to see if they work down the line. Absolutely, and um,
0: very glad, very glad that we're talking about him because, uh, like you said, taken in the third round last year, it's not like. Only what one round after Debo, they knew that they needed yeah. some receiver help, so they took they went back to back. Anytime you see a team go back to back picks for the same position, it's basically saying these two guys are competing for something right here. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, Debo won that job due to injury, uh, but you know, going into camp, it may very well be less than like a, such a number one target as a Debo. To we have two or three very solid, reliable options, as well as Kittle, a lot of weapons for Garoppolo. So we'll bring that right into Kittle. Uh, talking about the tight end. He's a stud. You know, Santino already talked about it. The best blocking tight end in the league. Guy's absolutely hilarious when he takes off his helmet and just starts (laughs) screaming on the sideline. Very energetic dude. Absolutely love him. Three years in the league so far. He just seems like he's a fine wine. He's getting better with with time. Uh, Only played 14 games last season. Had his career year when he played 16. Otherwise, could have very well been a better season last season. Had 107 targets, 85 receptions, 1,053 yards with five touchdowns. Seventy nine point four percent catch rate. One of the highest amongst tight ends. Uh, He's got hands of gold as well, if it's worth noting. And then we talked about Yak earlier. He's third among all NFL players in yards after the catch. I'm not saying third amongst tight ends. I'm not saying third. He's third in the NFL. Uh, You know, the only couple guys hired Christian McCaffrey. Surprise, surprise, <laughs> uh, you know, so 602 yards, yards after the catch uh, that breaks down to 7.1 yards after the catch. That is insane for a tight end when you think about it. And you only had two drops amongst that time. So um, I'll let you say a little quick hitter on Kittle. I, I just touched on everything. Uh, this guy is going to he's going to probably have the exact same role. I would say at least 80 to uh, you know 90 catches. Uh, we're probably looking at at least, you know, thousand to twelve hundred yards and six to seven touchdowns
1: yeah uh, he,
0: he's a stud yeah. what else can you say <laughs> back-to-back
1: thousand yard seasons last year he was third in receptions among tight end and he missed two games uh, in 2018 he was first in receptions among tight ends um, He's eighth in football in that in that year too in all of football including wide receivers uh, probably the best blocker in the league at tight end and this team likes to run so I mean Overall, he's, he might be the best tight end in the game. He's he's just an absolute stud. Him and Travis Kelsey are above everyone else. Um, this guy was picked in the fifth round from Iowa in 2017. Uh, that was the first year that Shanahan and Lynch took over. So this regiment specifically drafted George Kittle in their first draft, and he's proven them extremely right and to the nth degree because he's just an absolute stud. But you know in DFS when you're looking at tight ends – You're going to have to pay up for him because he's that good. Uh, That's the only negative. (laughs) The only negative is he's so good that he costs so much. Um, But the tight end position in general is pretty barren after a few guys. And then you have the the Hail Mary type guys. Hail Marys don't always work if you want a cash game, but in GPP they're more acceptable. But if you just want a guy who you know is going to get you numbers, and this guy gets you numbers – he's someone I would try and pay up for in a barren position and then work yeah. around elsewhere.
0: Absolutely. I mean, he was third among tight ends in uh, DK points per game last season with 14.56, only two higher than him. Austin Hooper, Travis Kelsey Hooper won't be higher than him this season uh, with his new role over there in Cleveland. I would, I would be shocked if he was uh, Kittle. I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up being the number one, just on a 16 game standpoint, uh, the guy's an absolute stud. Um, I think that's enough to say. I I don't know if we need to
1: keep going. (laughs) One more is – I even forgot this, but in 2018, this team was bad because they had – Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, and then everybody else started getting hurt. So they were playing from behind a lot, and he had a huge season. Last year, this team was fantastic. They won 13 games, and they were – they led the league in rushing – or second in the league in rushing attempts, and and, um, he's still awesome. So (laughs) no matter what the situation is, this guy is – Awesome. awesome. And and that's pretty much all you need to know. It, it doesn't matter if they're winning or losing. This guy's going to get his because he's that good.
0: Yeah. And safe floor, high ceiling. That's all you need to know. Yeah. You talked about boomer bust guys. There's some guys out there that could have that 20 to 25, you know, DK point ceiling. They also have like a two or three point floor. There's only maybe about two to three tight ends in this league that have that 25 to 30 uh, fantasy point ceiling, Kittle being one yeah. of them, but still have like a safe floor of that 14 to 15 points. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you pay up for him, yeah, you, you if you pay up for him, you want that 30-point game, mm-hmm. but you also know that you're going to cash out perfectly fine if he gets you six for 80, uh, and you'll feel good about that as well too. So yep. we'll move into their draft, uh, the 2020 draft class. We talked about these guys pretty much in two pretty decent extent. Uh Javon Kinlaw, Brandon Ayuk Ayukin. Uh we've already <laughs> talked about we talked about uh Juwana Jennings a little bit. Uh just Juwana. a big receiver. Juwana man, Jennings. <laughs> uh a big receiver. Um not the fastest guy, four seven speed. Gonna be a red zone target. Um so uh, they also took an offensive tackle, 153rd, Colton McEwitts. Uh, he's going to probably be groomed a little bit. I, I don't know if he's going to be expected to kind of jump into that position. They went out there and they bolstered the line a little bit during the offseason. So he could compete. Uh, and then they also drafted, I believe, another tight end, 190th overall, Charney Warner. I don't know if you know too much about him. I'm not too familiar, but I don't see him vying for uh, Kill's job anytime soon.
1: Yeah, uh, Warner's just a depth option. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they also have the guys that they have. Still last year, but you're not going to start over Kittle. I mean, he, he's one of the best at receiving and blocking. Uh, Colin McEvitt is pretty solid. I think they got him while they were doing the Trent Williams trade just to see if this Trent Williams still have what he had in the tank when he was playing. Uh, that's another option for him if he's not there or if someone gets hurt. You need options and, and depth on the offensive line, especially and defensive line, because uh, they are the most injury I mean, one injury could shuffle everything around, so you'd like to have the options there. Kinlaw, we mentioned earlier, um, pretty good guy, but he has some big shoes to fill. And DeForest Buckner's in a good guy. He's, a, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. But he has so some big a, shoes so to you, fill.
0: There's a little out-of-context friendly joke in that involved with the, with the guy in our draft. Uh, we, we've been, we've been making the joke for about four or five, maybe even six years now. Uh, he drafted, he's the one guy that shows up, uh, does zero research prior to the, prior to the draft, uh, and just basically drafts and makes up facts and stats about them as the year goes on. So, uh, he did not know who Corey Kluber was the year after he won the Cy Young. He came in, drafted Demarius Thomas simply off the fact that he is a nice guy. Uh, so that's the same thing
1: with Emmanuel Sanders, former Niner. He, like, he drafted him and said, I, I think he's a good guy. Probably a very nice guy. But. I think Kinlaw's going to be pretty good. He's a good guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> he has some big shoes to fill, though. But that defensive line around him with Bosa, Armstead, Solomon Thomas, that line's stacked. So if you need someone to um, fill some uh, an all-pro's shoes like that and not have the spotlight fully on him, that's a good spot to be around when you have guys like that. Uh, we'll we'll see how he integrates. I don't. He can't be DeForest Buckner, but he's not bad himself. And all he has to do is be 80% for his rookie year, right. and that's good enough. Uh, Juwan, Juwan, Man Jennings and Ayuk. We'll see where they fit in this totem pole. I think Ayuk has uh, a lot bigger legs than them, but uh, Juwan Man is a better red zone target. He's he's bigger. He's almost six three, six two and a half, two ten. Mentioned Jalen Hurd. I think he's going to be the premier red zone target just because he's massive yeah. and he can jump. Um, but Juwan man's not too far behind. And we mentioned earlier how Garoppolo is extremely successful last year in the red zone, uh, tied for first in with 16 touchdowns inside the 10 yard line. So that's a guy I would look at, uh, especially in closer games where they're not blowing people out. Um, and Ayuk i mean this guy's a yak king hopefully he can repeat what he did in in G, both juco at sierra and, and in the college uh division one but this team this draft pick they did pretty well they didn't have much to play with to begin with because they trade a lot of them but this team is stacked and um i'm excited to see a, a fee, at least a few of these guys three of the guys have a big role in this rookie year yeah um I, like I said, I think we talked about the draft in a good extent.
0: There's not much more we could say about these guys until we actually see them play a little bit more. So, um you know, we'll touch on the defense real fast before we take off. I mean, we've we've broke down their numbers kind of where they were. They had one of the best passing. Uh, one of the best off uh, passing defenses in, in the league last season, Richard Sherman anchoring that uh, not much has changed. I still expect them to be a top three to top five. Maybe they don't finish first overall, uh, but I could definitely see them still being a top five defense to go against, um, you know, the, their pass rush will continue to probably be one of the top pass rushes in the league with Bosa. Um, you know, we, we talked about the forest leaving uh, them needing the rookie to be at least 80%. I think mean, that's like all they need. They just need a little disruption up front uh, just to so Bosa can just get make his way that guy's an absolute terror uh going to be one of the best in the league probably for years to come now we've we've already saw that as he took home the defensive rookie of the year so uh I'm expecting just big things from their defense overall. Again, not too many names have changed, and we've talked about the ones that did. Uh, it looks like they're most going to be vulnerable against the run, uh, and yep. that's okay. We'll let it If they're going to be a top 15 to top 20 team against the run and just be dominant everywhere else, that's probably the recipe to success. Not every team is going to be good at everything, especially uh, when you score often and quickly. You're going to give up a little bit more time to teams trying to control the tempo against you when you're trying to control it. So um, I'm not too worried about that. So I think –
1: we touched on just about everything, Santino. So uh. Uh, for for the defense, I do want to mention another thing that helps their pass game. Uh, Quan Alexander, one of the best cover corner cover, ru- uh, cover corners cover running backs. Eventually, I'll get it. Cover linebackers in the league is should be returned and fully healthy this year. Uh, he tore his ACL in 2018. Last year, he tore his pec at the end of October, about week after week eight, I think week eight he tore week nine. Uh, but he was a pro bowler the last healthy year in 2017. Hmm. In 2016, he had 145 tackles. Uh, before getting hurt last year, he had the second lowest passer rating among linebackers. Uh, just another strength to this already good um, passing game defense. You mentioned Richard Sherman. Jimmy Ward had a really good year at it. Yeah. Um, he just improved. And when you have guys who are, are capable of covering people. And then you have a Bosa, then you have an Armstead, a D Ford, Solomon Thomas, able to get to the quarterback. Uh, It does help you out. And Kinlaw, hopefully he can do that as well, uh, or even help out the run game a little bit more. But like you mentioned, this is a team that I'm not going to necessarily attack. If I have to go against them, I will try and get a running back that I think is going to get the carries. Because if it's a close game, the game script calls for more runs. If the Niners are blowing you out, you're not going to really run on them a lot. Uh, You're going to have to pass to try and keep up. But in a closer game script with a really good running back, uh, this is a team that could get targeted on. They had the 10th most first downs against rushing and 17th rushing yards against. um, But I'm not fully going to – until they show cracks, uh, I'm not going to fully do that. But you could run on them if the matchup calls for it.
0: Yeah, and I would probably be looking more of a guy like an in between the tackles type runner, um, for yeah. me, not necessarily a guy that's just relying off off the outside edge because it's tough to beat the, a lot of their guys on the edge. They have just great edge rushers, and it's not like Bosa can't step back and he's athletic as all hell. So <laughs> yeah, uh, he's one of the premier athletes, not just uh, defensive ends in the league. So um, probably your name's like,
1: Bosa or Watt. You're I, you're probably just good, good yeah. at good at football. Probably I yeah. I, w- I would take the yes or no the over on that fun
0: fact I got to talk to Joey Bosa on speakerphone because of a girl I worked with uh as an internship I didn't get to say much I said hi that was all <laughs> uh and then she was talking to him she went to high school with the Bosa's and then did wow. an internship up here uh at CT Sports now she was in production so uh, I got to interview him probably a hundred times while she was down there but uh that was the fun fact I had regarding awesome. Joey Bosa not Nick so I think we wrapped it up now, so now we're going to do our n- another little quick spiel, and we'd appreciate you guys if you jump on Twitter real fast. Uh, give us a follow at Mike Patra, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You can find Sunny at Santino Cocone, S-A-N-T-I-N-O-C-A-C-C-O-N-E. Boom. Got it. I'm terrible with, with with my colleagues' Twitters, and I always have to apologize. But now, after getting yelled at by Santino enough, I think I got it done, Pat. And then uh, if you could check out the website, guys, uh, you know, DFS Coach Talk. Um, we're working hard on there. I know Santino's doing a lot of back-end stuff for our YouTube channel, kind of formulating things, making things a little bit neater. Uh, we're producing more content here. We're getting geared up for the returning and pending seasons once they do start. We're covering uh, basketball, the uh, NBA, and NFL. Um I think I just said NBA and then uh, basketball. So MLB, NBA, (laughs) NFL, got all three of them, all the major sports. We are producing great content. Uh, We have a great team over here. So please check us out and then, you know, give us a thumbs up on YouTube, uh, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio. You can listen to us all over the place. Just a lot of moving parts over here. And, you know, while you could jump into our Discord, uh, we're freezing all accounts right now. So you can sign up. You're not paying a monthly price right now. While there's no sports, we freeze the account, but it allows you just to jump in here and get to know us, talk to us, pick our brain, shoot us questions, ask me the favorite thing I like to cook on the grill might be. Uh, I'm a big barbecue guy. So um, that's the- That's pretty much going to be my afternoon. So learn a little bit more about us. Uh, And then we also have our nice simulation games going on a nightly basis. I know Santino just took down one of our baseball ones the other day and then followed it up with a nice stinker. But that is just simulation. (laughs) That's how simulation works, man. It's uh, a little bit of luck. It's a little bit of knowing what you're doing. It's it's a small taste of what DFS really is. But it's uh, getting our mouths, uh, you know, uh, uh, feeding our appetite a little bit for the time being. So that's all we have for you. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. It won't be me. Uh, Santino, I don't know if you have the schedule in front of you. I'm pretty awful of, of being on the spot with that. So I think it's uh, Shane and Andrew. So it's going to be a good show, uh, needless to say, because me, me and you being unprepared and not knowing what the schedule might be is not going to not gonna be on it. You were prepared. <laughs> I was unprepared, uh, needless to say. <laughs> I should have had that in front of me. So Shane and Andrew on tomorrow. Looking forward to hearing them. And uh, yeah, that's all we got for you guys. So anything else you want to say, Sonny, before I roll us out of here? Uh, no, I'm good. All right, man. I think it was a good show. I started trying to talk a little bit faster at the end because I know that we were getting close on time. We're yeah. trying to keep these to right around an hour. This one went to about an hour and 10 minutes. So thank you guys for listening. We'll be back. Have a good weekend and uh, stay safe, everybody.